Hello, I'm Petri Hoskin, and if you're listening to this show, then it's safe to say you'll love Hacks and Flax. Hacks and Flax is where you get the inside scoop on how journalist hacks and the flax of government and business work behind the scenes to decide which stories you'll be reading with your morning coffee and perhaps more importantly, how they keep certain headlines off the front pages. I'm assisted by a regular panel of hacks and flax who lift the lid on that special relationship between press and politics. So let hacks and flax blow your mind and change the way you look at news forever. Tom Swarbrick on LBC. With Enterprise. See if one of their neighbourhood locations are near you. It's 10 to 6. It's a Friday. Tom Swarbrick's on LBC, so you know the drill by now. Assume the position. It's Simon Marks, American Week. Tom, Joe Biden is heading your way. At least he will be this weekend. The US president is stopping in the UK en route to next week's all-important NATO summit in Lithuania. He'll meet the king for a conversation about climate change. Good timing, given that for three days this week, the Earth notched up its hottest temperatures ever recorded. He'll also meet the Prime Minister, their fifth face-to-face encounter with Ukraine, the economy and trade expected to dominate. But even before the president clambers aboard Air Force One and departs Washington. The pages of the Daily Telegraph have been filled with commentary accusing him of hating Britain, knifing the UK in the back, even insulting the monarchy. You're always going to find a couple of writers in almost any newspaper who want to be disobliging. Clean up on aisle nine for the UK's ambassador to America, Dame Karen Pierce. They don't represent the vast majority of the media or the British people. If anything, the British people uh, like seeing the US on the world stage. That's uh, They like the US to be a beacon of democracy. They see the British role uh, as very much problem-solving and burden-sharing. Glad we got that cleared up. She spoke there to Politico. It will be the Americans who have a bigger mess to address over the next few days. President Biden has decided to send cluster bombs to Ukraine. It's a deeply controversial decision that's included in his latest $800 million of assistance for Kiev's armed forces. Last month, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense Laura Cooper telegraphed the move in an appeal before Congress and conceded it was going to be contentious. The reason why you have not seen um, a move forward in providing this capability relates both to the existing congressional restrictions on the provision of depicums and concerns about allied unity. The cluster bombs known as depicums are artillery shells that release smaller bomblets capable of shredding anyone targeted by them. Like landmines, they can also pose a a threat to civilians long after a conflict ends. They're so nasty that they're banned under an international treaty, but the US never signed up to it. Neither did Ukraine, nor did Russia, and the Kremlin's forces are already using the cluster munitions on the battlefield. But how does America think its allies will react to the President's decision? Brigadier General Patrick Ryder is the Pentagon's press secretary. In terms of our allies and our partners, um, unity continues to main, remain very strong when it comes to supporting Ukraine and providing them with the capabilities that they need. Has he had any conversations with some of 
Yeah, I don't don't have anything to read out today. Lots to talk about over that summit table in Vilnius then. Here in the US, Joe Biden has been very loquacious over the last couple of weeks about the economy. He thinks it's his strong suit going into next year's presidential election, and his handling of it now has a name. Bidenomics. 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 We're talking about Bidenomics. Made in America is no longer just a slogan. It's happening. The White House is relentlessly pushing the president's economic plan, first dubbed Bidenomics by the Wall Street Journal. As the president never tires of explaining... Bidenomics is about building an economy from the middle out and the bottom up, not the top down. In other words, rejecting wholesale, trickle-down, supply-side economic theories championed by, among others, successive Conservative Party Prime Ministers in the UK. No tax cuts for the wealthy to stimulate the economy here. Rather, a determination to restore America's manufacturing base with a major focus on high-tech products like semiconductors. It's the theory that is fueling not just America's economic comeback, but also the president's stump speech. When I took office, the pandemic was raging and our economy was reeling. Today, the U.S. has the highest economic growth rate, the highest in the world. Where Joe Biden touts success, his Republican opponents connect Bidenomics to the ravages of inflation. Bidenomics means you pay more for everything in life. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, one of several Republicans hoping to save the party from yet more Donald Trump and the country from yet more Joe Biden. How much does it cost to get a mortgage? Interest rates are are significantly higher. How much is your grocery bill? How much does it cost to buy a new car? So all the staples of life have bec- are increasingly becoming unaffordable for, for average Americans. When you have interest rates that climb to the level that they have in a short period of time, it means the American family's buying power has been gut-punched. Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, now a commentator on right-leaning Newsmax TV. It's a real gut-punch. Joe doesn't understand it. He doesn't feel it. My gosh, he doesn't even know how to get off the platform when he finishes his speech. Keeping it classy. Republicans will now use absolutely any opportunity to attack the president over his advancing age or his family. And this week, one opportunity appeared out of nowhere like a gift on a platter. We have a yellow bar staining cocaine, hydrochloride. Yeah, before you shut the Gemini off, make sure you take a picture of that screen, please. Encrypted radio transmissions between two officers with the U.S. Secret Service. They were recorded last Sunday night after the discovery inside the White House of a small plastic bag containing a white powdery substance. As you heard there, it turned out to be cocaine. It's unclear exactly where it was found. At first, the White House said it was located in a heavily trafficked area of the West Wing. Any visitor, they suggested, might have left it. But yesterday, NBC, which broke the original story, reported it was found in a less busy area close to the heavily secured Situation Room. Either way, with Republicans in Congress demanding answers, it's a problem for the White House and for Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. The President follows all the reporting here, uh, and he certainly was briefed by his staff on everything that we know so far, but the Secret Service is investigating this, is investigating what happened over the weekend, and we have confidence that they will get to the bottom of this. It will come as no surprise that the president's Republican opponents are not in a mood patiently to wait for the outcome of that Secret Service investigation. The only individual who has a relative that has admitted to cocaine use, 
was at the White House just hours before this cocaine was discovered. Donald Trump's former White House advisor, Corey Lewandowski, on Newsmax TV, taking full advantage of America's very lax laws on slander. I think what we know is that Hunter left this there. He's clearly a drug addict. He's now a convicted felon. He's not someone who we want around our children. Donald Trump himself suggested the cocaine belonged either to Hunter Biden or possibly to the Department of Justice prosecutor who recently brought criminal charges against the former president over his alleged mishandling of the nation's secrets. Even former Vice President Mike Pence has been getting in on the act. This was not in the White House complex, right? This was in the residence itself, if I understand. It was in the library. We ought to know in real time who uh, who brought and, and left cocaine on a table but I'm not holding my breath. Now, just to be clear about one tiny thing, and I hate to let the facts get in the way of a good yarn, but I go to the White House every now and again, and to get in, you do pass through security and, of course, through a magnetometer. You cannot get in there with a weapon, but there is no security procedure that would necessarily pick up a small bag of cocaine any more than the Secret Service would stop you if you were carrying a bag of crisps. Trust me, I've taken one of those into the White House in the past. Roll me up and smoke me when I die. And if anyone don't like it, just look up in the eye. 43 years ago, Willie Nelson was at the White House performing during Jimmy Carter's presidency. And during a break, he clambered up onto the White House roof and lit up a joint that he'd brought into the building for the occasion. Washington's pearl clutching over drugs at the White House, Tom, seems as old as Uncle Willie by now. I didn't come here and I ain't leaving, so don't sit around and cry. Just roll me up and smoke me when I die. From Washington, D.C., Simon Marks, American Week.